As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see this message. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and tonight we're going to continue talking to you about spiritual warfare. Right now, people feel they're really in a battle just dealing with issues, dealing with a devil, dealing with strife. Wow, how do you deal with all of that? Well, God has given us spiritual weapons to defeat the devil. He really has. And so this week, we're talking to you about spiritual weaponry and also about how to overcome the attacks of the devil. And I want to remind you that right now, we're offering you my book, which is called Dressed to Kill. This is a classic on spiritual warfare. You know what? It's amazing that I could say that about my own book. And it's not what I say, it's what other people say. Hi, Denise. Hi, Paul. Hi. Hi. I mean, when I think about a classic, usually that's something that has survived from somebody that's dead. But this book has been read so often, millions of times, people call it the classic on spiritual warfare. That is such an honor to me, Lord. I want to thank you for using this book. Is that just amazing? It's amazing. But the full title says, You Don't Have to Take It Anymore because you are dressed to kill a biblical approach. Hey, this is the Renners. We believe in the Bible. So we need to have a biblical approach to spiritual warfare and armor. And there's a lot of silliness out there about spiritual warfare. You need to keep your head on straight, even when it comes to dealing with the devil. You have to deal with the devil according to the Bible, not by something that somebody told you. Base everything you do on the Bible. That's what releases power. So this book is a biblical approach to spiritual warfare and armor. Spiritual warfare is real, but in order for you to wage warfare successfully, you have to do it according to what the Bible says. And that's what we're talking about this week in our home group. Now, in the last home group, we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being endued with power from on high. So I want to recommend again that you go to our website, and the order, the study guide called the infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you have any questions about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and subsequent infillings of the Holy Spirit or tongues, what's tongues all about or what are the benefits of being filled with the Holy Spirit or the supernatural role of the Holy Spirit in your life, which is just magnificent, this study guide will walk you into a place that will thrill your heart. So go to render.org to the store to order all of this. But Denise, Paul, welcome to Home Group. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. And Home Group, welcome. It's a privilege, a blessing, an honor to be with you. And I'm excited about what we're going to talk about tonight because we, if we use the tools that are in the Word of God, then we're going to be successful in winning this battle over spiritual warfare. Amen. Amen. Paul? Hi, everybody. Welcome to Home Group. Once again, we're here together again. If you have not subscribed, please subscribe. If you haven't pressed the little bell, please press on the little bell so you get notifications and you know every time we come online. We come online for you. We do this for you and we study the Bible together. I, <clears throat> I like looking at this Roman armor because it just kind of sparks my imagination. Do I really have a helmet? And what does my helmet look like? And can I get an upgraded helmet? Uh, what, what does the spiritual world see when it sees, when someone in the spiritual world or something in the spiritual world sees us or sees me? This is 
I like talking about this. Well, you know, this. I think we're going to answer that question today. That is a great question. Wait, do I get an upgrade? No, you don't get an upgrade, but we're going to answer the question, what does the spiritual ah. world see when they see you? Okay, well, wait a minute. Does, doesn't this mean something? Well, no, not really. No. But we'll get to that when we talk about the helmet of salvation. Okay. Yeah, it has a little meaning, but not a big meaning. Well, I'm thinking, but we could try to extrapolate it, make it something, but let's not do that. Okay. Let's not do that. Oh, I wish you would, because I really like that color. Of course you do. <laughs> By the way, do you know what that's, <laughs> you know what that's, do you know what that's made out of? Horse hair? It's made out of horse hair. I got it. All right, but I want to say something before we get into the teaching. <laughs> Every day I read your comments. Today, after I did my seven things that I do every day to stay spiritually strong, like we taught you last week, really do that every day, I immediately went to social media and began to read all the comments, and there are hundreds and hundreds of comments. And I want to say thank you. Every one of your comments is a gift to me, even if it's a comment that expresses disapproval. I learn from it. I appreciate everything that you have to say, so please go on chat, talk to us. And remember that if you have a prayer request, write us prayer at renner.org. Now, I do want to respond to a comment that was not made recently, but it was made a long time ago. Somebody wrote and said, I'm not watching your TV program anymore. You have all those Roman helmets and all that Roman armor on your set. And the Romans killed Jesus. That's paganism. Well, yes, they were worn by pagans. But did you know later on there were even Christians in the Roman military and they also wore this weaponry? Not many, but some. And if you're going to make a hard, fast rule that you can't use anything that was used by Romans, then you shouldn't drink out of cups anymore because they drank out of cups. You shouldn't drink water because they drank water. You shouldn't sit on chairs because they sat on chairs. You can't eliminate everything just because of one thing. And not only that, it is the Apostle Paul himself under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that draws on this illustration. Now, why did Paul use the illustration of armor? He got a revelation from his environment. And many times God will speak to you through your surroundings. Isn't that amazing? And in fact, he may speak to you in words and phrases that only mean something to you. They only mean something to you, but they're very personal and they're very unique to you. Well, where was Paul when he wrote the majority of his epistles? In prison. He was in prison. And who was he chained to? He was chained to a Roman soldier who was dressed in all of this equipment. So as Paul is sitting there in prison, chained to a Roman soldier dressed in all of this equipment, the Holy Spirit began to speak to him through the environment. And the Holy Spirit began to say, See that helmet? That's like the helmet of salvation. See that shield? That's like the shield of faith. See that spear? That's like prayer. See that sword? That's like the word of God. See those shoes? That's what peace does in your life. See that breastplate? That's like righteousness. God began to speak to Paul through his environment. Now, I also find it very interesting that Paul's revelation of spiritual weaponry was progressive. It was progressive. Paul stayed on this for years and years and years. The first epistle that Paul ever wrote was, anybody know? 1 Thessalonians. That's the earliest epistle in the New Testament. Some people say James, but probably 1 Thessalonians is the oldest. And in 1 Thessalonians, Paul first refers to spiritual weaponry, but it's very brief. It's very primitive. It's not very developed. But by the time that you get to Ephesians chapter 6, which is toward the end of his ministry, 
He has a full revelation of spiritual weaponry. And I really like that because as you walk with the Lord, your understanding and your revelation gets bigger and broader and deeper. That's what ought to happen to all of us as we grow in our relationship with Jesus. But let's go to Ephesians 6. Are you guys ready? Yes, sir. All right, let's go there. Let's all jump in here together. Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to begin today again in verse 10, where Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We saw that that word strong is the Greek word enduo, exactly the same word which Jesus used in Luke 24, verse 49, when he said to the apostles, Go to Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father. Don't leave until you are endued with power from on high. He was talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And here we're talking about a supernatural endowment. And when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, when you are endued, when you are strengthened supernaturally in the Lord, it empowers you to function in spiritual weaponry. You really can't carry this kind of weaponry without spiritual power. Now remember, this is the illustration that Paul has in his mind. Well, on a smaller Roman soldier, this weaponry weighed between 75 and 80 pounds. Now, Denise, just imagine if I dropped 75 to 80 pounds on you right now. It would be hard for you to get out of that chair. Paul, it'd be tough for you to get up and run around the house. Of course. If you had 75 to 80 pounds. On some Roman soldiers, it exceeded 100 pounds. So when we get to verse 11, Paul's going to talk about weaponry. But before he can talk about weaponry, he knows he has to begin with the subject of power. Because if a Christian does not have the power of the Holy Spirit working in his life, he cannot function in spiritual weaponry. It will just lay around his feet. He can't function in this without power. So Paul begins correctly in verse 10 by saying, hey, you have to have power to do what I'm about to tell you. Denise? Rick, I just want to say this is vitally important vitally important, especially right now with all these things that are happening and we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We, we've got to become stronger and stronger and stronger in the Lord, not weaker or apathetic, but stronger in him, more committed, more determined to to experience him, to to know him, to love like him, to forgive like him. It's got to be more and more. And Rick, this is very, very important that we're talking about this. Well, and if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, call us. We'll call you back. We will pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or if you need a new infilling, we would love to pray with you. But Paul doesn't put the cart before the horse. He says, let's start with first things first. First, you have to have an empowering presence of God in your life. It comes to us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then he moves to verse 11 and listen to what he says in verse 11. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Well, the whole armor of God is what's in front of us. There were seven pieces of weaponry that was carried by a Roman soldier. In Greek, it is the word hoplion. That word hoplion is exactly the word that is used here. So if there's a critic who says, well, you shouldn't use the example of Roman weaponry, then you have a problem with the Bible because that is exactly the word that is used in this verse. It is the word hoplion, the full weaponry of a Roman soldier. 
and there were seven pieces of weaponry. Let's go through them. First of all, there was the loin belt, and the loin belt was the most important piece of weaponry. Somebody might say, well, why was the loin belt so important? Well, let me tell you like this, my belt is important. Now, when you talk about what I'm wearing today, you probably wouldn't start with my belt. But if I was not wearing my belt, you would definitely be talking about the absence of my belt because my pants would fall off. The belt holds everything together. And even for a Roman soldier, the loin belt was central. For example, you see this sword? This sword had a place for a clip on the side. Well, where would the Roman soldier put his sword when he was not using it? He would hang it on the clip on, belt. on the loin belt. Or how about when he was not using his shield? What did he do with the shield? Did he just carry the shield all the time? No, the shield had a clip on the side and that clip attached to another clip on the other side of the loin belt. The Roman soldier had a huge spear and had multiple spears. What did he do with those spears when he was not using them? They rested in a pouch and the pouch was attached to a clip on the backside on the loin belt. The loin belt literally held everything together. And you're going to see as we continue, the loin belt represents the written Word of God in our life. The Word of God holds everything together. Isn't that just wonderful? And the Word of God is the most important central piece of weaponry which God has given to us. And I have to say something else. The rest of this weaponry is not visible. You cannot see a helmet of salvation. You can't see a shield of faith. You can't see a sword of the Spirit. But there's one weapon so important, it left the spirit realm and entered the natural realm, and you can touch it, pick it up, look at it, read it. It's called the Bible. It is the only piece of weaponry that took on a tangible manifestation. Mm. That is how important your Bible is. If you have the Word of God, you'll have peace. If you have the Word of God, you'll have faith. If you have the Word of God, you'll walk in your sense of righteousness. Everything is attached to this. And that's why it is the most central piece. But in addition to the loin belt, he also had a breastplate. The Roman soldier also had shoes and greaves of peace. The Roman soldier also had a sword. He had a shield. The Roman soldier had a spear. Altogether, there were seven pieces of weaponry, and they were very heavy, and you had to be very fit to function in this kind of weaponry. But today, some people say, now this is not true, but some people say they teach. When you get up every morning, when you sit on the edge of your bed, mentally you need to go through those gyrations of pretending that you're putting on your helmet of salvation, that you're putting on your breastplate of righteousness. Well, I think sometimes doing those things assists your faith to see what you have. But I'm going to tell you, if I saw Denise sitting on the edge of the bed going, I'm putting on my helmet, picking up my shoe, I would say, what in the world are you doing? Would you please stop that? Because going through those things, it may mentally help you to realize what you have, but you don't do those things to really put on the armor of God. So how do you put on the armor of God? Pretty good question, isn't it? Can you take the armor off? Can you take it off? Yes, you can. But how do you put it on? Well, the answer is very simple. And the answer is in the very beginning of verse 11, where Paul says, put on. Guess what the word put on is? The Greek word in duo, the same word that refers to the, to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which means when you receive the power of God, 
The power of God literally is what dresses you. That power of God hits you. And when that power of God hits you and begins to go down you, it manifests as a helmet on your head. When the power of God comes on you, it puts a sword in your hand, a shield in the other hand. It puts a loin belt around you. It begins to literally dress you in the whole armor of God, which means as long as you're walking in the power, you're walking in the armor. And to answer your question, when you begin to step away from the power of God, that's when this armor begins to fall off of you. And in fact, when you come to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, Paul tells them, take unto you the whole armor of God. You know what the Greek says? Take it unto you again. Which means the great church of Ephesus, which started in the power of God and knew the power of God, they had stepped away from it. They had stepped away from it. And now the Greek word analabete is used in verse 13, take unto you. Ana means do it again, do it like you used to do it, which means the armor is no longer on them. It's laying on the ground around their feet. And Paul is literally saying, please pick it up, put it back on, walk in the power of God as you once did. If you'll get back to where you once were, you will be redressed in the armor of God. Jesus in his message to Ephesus said, remember your first love from whence you have fallen. From which you've fallen. It's very interesting. This says, take again, and take again. said, remember. Isn't that amazing? I never noticed that before. The Bible is so consistent. But it says something else here. It says, put on the whole armor, what? Of God. Hmm. In Greek, it means the armor that comes out of God. I really like that. Because the Old Testament tells us God is a man of war. God is a man of war. So it makes sense that if you draw near to him and receive his power, he's going to dress you in spiritual weaponry. God himself is a man of war. But there's something else very important implied in the Greek. When you have this spiritual armor, it makes you look like God. It makes you look like God. Now let me answer your question. Okay. What does the spirit realm see when they look at us? And let me use the illustration of Jesus. May I do that? Jesus was born in the flesh. He was God in the flesh from the moment that he was born. But Jesus was never recognized by a demon or by any evil force until after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit at the River Jordan. He walked through the streets of Nazareth, the streets of Sepphoris. Jesus lived his whole life. No demon ever screamed, I know thee who thou art, the Son of God. Art thou come to torment us before the time? There was never a demonic reaction to the presence of Jesus until after Jesus went to the River Jordan and he was endued with power from on high. And just like us, when Jesus received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it draped him in spiritual weaponry. When Jesus came out of the River Jordan, he may have looked the same in the natural, but in the spirit, Jesus looked so different. In the spirit realm, he looked like a mighty warrior walking in armor. And when he came home to Nazareth, the same city where he had always lived, the same streets he had always walked upon, passing the same people he had always passed, but now something happened. People began screaming, oh my gosh, it's the Son of God. Demons shrieking, have you come to torment us before the time? Why were they shrieking? He was wearing the same clothes. He had the same haircut. Everything was the same. 
except in the spirit realm, he was not the same. They saw him differently. Spirits could see that he was dressed in the whole armor of God, which means when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you may not be able to see the weaponry, but the spirit realm can see something has really dramatically changed with you. You begin to walk as a mighty soldier. Denise, what do you think about that? I'm just thinking about it. And I'm thinking about that we're so powerful. And then in our other home groups, we talked about being the restrainer. So I'm thinking about that power that's in us and that we're dressed in that power. And that that's the restraining force from evil. It's so awesome about the power of God in us. Well, let's look at the rest of verse 11 because it gets more awesome. Look what it says next. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able. Guess what that is? Mm. It's the Greek word dunastai from the word dunamis. Uh And the word dunamis, Denise and Paul, is the Greek word for supernatural power, supernatural feats. And it is exactly the word that was used to describe, listen to this, the full advancing might of a military army. Roman troops advancing with all of their might, which means when you receive the power of God, you're no longer on the run, but now you are empowered to be in pursuit. You have received a power which enables you to march forward. You've got so much power in you just by yourself. Forget the fact of who else you're connected to. I'm talking just by yourself. You have in you dunamis, the full might of an advancing army, so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. I even like the word against, because in Greek it is the word pros. Now, most people would assume it's the word anti, which also means against, but the word pros means face to face, which means you are so equipped, you can come right up to the devil himself. You don't have to be afraid of him. You can pursue him, get right in his face, face to face, pros against the wiles of the devil. Well, what in the world are the wiles, the wiles of the devil? You know, when I was a little boy, on Sunday nights after church, all of our Baptist parents would get together, they'd play cards. We weren't supposed to, but they did. We always were hoping that the pastor wouldn't show up at our house where they were playing cards. But they would play cards and they'd play dominoes. They would just hoot and howl and laugh. What a great memory that is in my life. And while they were all fellowshipping together, we kids would bundle up in the back room of the house around a little black, white television because nobody had color TV in those days. And every Sunday night, we Baptist kids, while our parents were fellowshipping, we would watch a TV program in Tulsa that was called Fantastic Theater. And Fantastic Theater was all kinds of horror movies and scary movies like The Blob or The Thing. (laughs) And I can remember us Baptist kids. Oh, if Rhonda and Lori are listening, my sisters or other friends, they're just howling with laughter because they remember this. We would be under blankets. We would hide our faces and we would watch as The Blob would come blobbing down the street or The Thing. Oh, that thing bothered me for years, for years. What about The Hand? That's The Thing. Oh, that's horrible. That's the same thing. The hand that was cut off, uh, but it crawled by itself and it would crawl up. up and from it would, under the bed. Oh, come up from the bed. I can, I can remember so affected by the thing, that <laughs> hand. 
that during baptismal services in our church, they would turn the lights off. And I would put my feet on the pew in front of me because I didn't want the thing crawling up my leg to kill me during a baptismal service. I was so affected by those images. But my point is, when I think about the wiles of the devil, to me it's kind of like the blob or the thing, something that just creeps along and gets you. But that's not right. The devil doesn't operate that way. The word wiles is the Greek word methodias. Method. Method. It's where you get the word method. But in Greek, it's a compound word, the word meta and the word hodas. Ho, 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 that is powerful. The word hodas is the word for a road, an avenue, or a lane. The word meta means with. So when you put the two words together, it's not just a method or a while. It's one who operates on a road or one who operates on a lane of attack. Well, roads go somewhere. Paul, you travel every summer with your family. You take a road trip yes. and you travel on roads. Do roads go somewhere or do they just wander? No, all, lo- all roads go somewhere. Even if you think this road will take you nowhere, it's actually going somewhere. And the person who built the road was very intentional about building the road. Now, you may not be intentional about the way you're using the road, but most of us are. When you get on the road, you know exactly where you're going, and the person who built the road knew exactly what it was being built for. So if the devil's traveling on a road, that's really what it means to operate with a road or with a lane of attack. It means he has a destination. He's headed somewhere. Where is the devil headed? He's headed toward your brain. You know why? Because he knows your mind is the central control center of your life. And whoever controls your life, your brain controls you. That's why God wants your brain. God wants you to renew your mind with the Bible. He wants your brain because if God has your brain, he has your life. And the devil knows that. If the devil can penetrate your mind and control your mind, he'll control your self-image. He'll control your feelings. He'll control your health. He'll control your thinking. If he can get your head, he has you. So now when we come to Ephesians 6, verse 11, Paul says, when you have spiritual weaponry, you're able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So now this word wiles tells us the devil's headed toward us. He has a great sense of direction, a great sense of purpose. He knows exactly where he is headed. Now, you may ask, in fact, I hear somebody asking this question. Rick, why do you think the devil's headed toward the mind. Because when you study in the New Testament the words war and warfare, those words are used in five different places in the New Testament. And Paul, listen to this, every single time they're used, they're used in connection with the mind. They're used in connection with the mind. Let me use the example for uh, of adultery. Where does adultery begin? Does it begin in the flesh or does it begin in the mind? No, it begins, it begins in, in the mind. mind. Someone begins to ponder something until it becomes a reality. Fear, where does it begin? In the mind. Begins in the mind. Everything begins in the mind. Most sickness begins in the mind. The devil knows if he can get a foothold in the mind, then he can build what the Bible calls a stronghold. stronghold. And from the stronghold in the mind, he can begin to dominate that person's life. Mm-hmm. And Paul says... We can stand against the wiles of the 
devil. Everybody say devil. Devil. The Greek word diabolos. A compound of two words, the word dia. The word dia carries the idea of penetration, going all the way through something. The word balos means to throw something. When you compound the two words together, it depicts the unrelenting bombardment of a thought. Which means, Denise, when the devil comes to attack us, he doesn't just come with one thought. Now, if it was just one thought, we would say, oh, that's stupid, that's the devil speaking to us. But he comes with one thought and another 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 thought, pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding until finally you hear it all the time and you begin to consider it. And when you begin to consider it, that's what opens the door for your mind to be penetrated. But when you're dressed in the whole armor of God, you can even stop the thoughts. You can even stop the thoughts. You have authority over the enemy when you are dressed in the whole armor of God. You can stop it. That is so powerful. Isn't that powerful, guys? Wonderful. Yes, because you can change your thoughts. If the thought's coming, you can change it. You can decide to think about something else. Denise, think about how many spouses hear the devil tell them something negative about their spouse. Their spouse. It's not true. And they're able to dismiss it. But then the devil just keeps saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it until finally they begin to be affected in the way that they view their spouse. That is an example of spiritual warfare that's very practical. Well, you have to take every thought captive. Yeah, because he comes as the accuser. He's the, He's the accuser of the brethren. So if he can accuse, he wants to either accuse you in your mind or accuse someone else in your mind. And it, 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 you listen, you listen. Oh, that, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, that's right. And then fear comes, maybe resentment, maybe unforgiveness. And it all came from a thought. A thought. That's why we have to take our thoughts captive, and this spiritual weaponry enables us to do that. But the only way you're going to have this weaponry is if you receive an endowment of power, because when you receive the power, when you're walking in the power of God, that's what equips you. Now, I'll tell you, the biggest moments in my life when I have fallen prey to a spiritual attack, it's been when I've not been walking in power. Maybe I have just inadvertently stepped away from the power of God or I'm no longer exercising my faith to operate in it. In those moments when I step away, usually that's when I have come under attack. Not always, but very often. But you can just jump right back into this armor by saying, Lord, refill me with the Holy Spirit because the moment you're walking in the power of God, you are walking in the armor of God. And this shows how consistent and persistent you have to be in your spiritual life. You can't say, well, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit once. No, if you want to walk in this, you have to continue walking in the power of God. This is not yours because of something that happened to you 20 years ago. If you want to walk in this, you've got to be walking in the power of God today. And when you get to verse 12, you find out how serious it is that we have this weaponry. Look at verse 12, and this is where we're going to pick up in tomorrow's home group. And in verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. What are powers? What are principalities? 
What are rulers of the darkness of this world? What are spiritual wickedness in high places? And if they're in high places, then what do these things have to do with us? And what does high places mean anyway? Well, it's very important. You say, Rick, are you really sure this is so important? Well, hey, isn't it right there in the Bible? It's right there in the Bible. It's not written there for our entertainment. It's written because it's something we need to know. And the fact is, we're living in the very end of the age. And at this precise moment, the heavenlies are buzzing with spiritual activity. Buzzing with spiritual activity. Evil forces, good forces, and we're also waging warfare right here. And we need to know what verse 12 means. And that's what we're going to talk about when we come back tomorrow night. But hey, guys, this has been good. It has been. It's been so good. Denise, thank you. Paul, thank you. Thank you. Father, we are so grateful for this time tonight. We're so grateful. You've not left us naked before evil, but mm. you have dressed us with spiritual weapons. Amen. We mm. are dressed from head to toe. Help us to walk in that power so mm. we remain clothed with this weaponry in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Remember Psalm 8. It says, I will lay me down in peace and sleep, and the Lord will keep me safely. We're believing that for you. So go to bed, sleep well, and we'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed that teaching, please like, subscribe, and comment so more people can see it.